Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast where three buddies discuss comics from their childhood and today. I'm Kirk. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. As you can tell, guys, we are still in the quarantine and I'm climbing up the walls. I told Ryan that I had to go outside today every little bit. And I got to take Teresa to her appointment, but it's just being a pain in the butt being inside all day long. Yeah. It's great so, when you, uh, you're not required to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it's it's different being a homebody when uh, you have a choice of being a homebody or going out into the world and that's, you know, yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. So this week we are going to start uh, Water-Based Heroes and Villains Month. So we each did a comic book uh, based on a water-based character. Mine is uh, Marina from Alpha Flight, uh, which is her story takes, her origin story takes place. It starts in issue number two. And finishes up in issue number four. What'd you guys pick for this week? I got Namor. Okay. And I'm just going to review the whole 90s series. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Issue one. Go. Who'd you end up I'm going to do Stingray from Marvel. Okay. Nice. And then for our new book, it was Transformers versus Terminator number one. Yep. So let's go ahead and start with that book. (laughs) What do we think, Ryan? What do we think, Ryan? Um... Wish there was a little bit more Transformer. Yeah. It was very Terminator heavy. Um, uh, I agree with that. I have never personally seen any of the Terminator movies. What? Yeah. But I do know Coming to Earth, blah, 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 blah. I, I know that origin story. Yeah. I didn't need it again in here. No. I I didn't realize it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's character until, like, halfway through. Yeah. I thought it was, uh... What's his name? The one who, uh... Michael Bean's character in the first one, I can't remember. I thought it was the one that... I thought she was there to help him, not Arnold. What is his name? Michael Reese? Yeah, I think that's his name. It's been a while since I've seen the first one. Yeah. You know, I'm interested to read issue two whenever that's released. Um, yeah. And see what how they get the Transformers involved, but, uh, you know... For me, currently, it was is like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so this basically is the Decepticons are trying to take over Earth after Skynet has come up to life, and they're getting wiped out by the Decepticons. The Terminators are. Is that how you took it too? Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish there was more than just, uh, was it Starscream and his the other guys? Scar- Starscream, Skywarp, and I can't think of the other one's name, but yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. It it was interesting, just wish they had added more um, Transformers in the first issue and, you know, m- made it better that way, you know? Yeah. I mean, and there was a part of me that thought once they got in that truck that it was going to be Optimus. 
it looked like Optimus, and then he got scanned when they went to the base, so. Right. So, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, but their plan was to blow up the Autobot ship because that's how everything happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so what'd you give it, Ryan? Mm, a three for now. Three for now. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Um, I wanted to give it a four, but I didn't even think about the origin story being in there. And it's like, yeah, we don't need that origin story if you're you've. There's been what, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Terminator movies by now? You should know the story. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think they could have just done a recap at the very beginning of this is where we're at kind of thing. Yeah. And develop the story a little bit further. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So. Moving on. Do you want me to go first? Since uh, I'm doing Marina. Is it sure. what? Okay, um, so I picked uh, I picked Alpha Flight number four because you know I own it and I like Marina as a character and it starts out uh, Reed uh, not Reed Richards Sue Richards and Neymar are um, flying in the Antarctic to see what this uh, this ship that seems to be sticking out of the ice is. And um, Alpha Flight is already inside the ship trying to find Marina. And um, Aurora's gone to being Jean Jeannie Marie. And she's like, lay off me, lay brute. You know, being all prudish and Sasquatch goes after her, turned into his naked Walter self. And she's like, oh, my God. That is not for me to say, monsieur. I am not in the habit of associating with naked men. I'm like, he prude. Give me Aurora. <laughs> um, anyway, Neymar and Sue find a way into the ship. And they come across the master who is hold holding Marina captive. And he tells the story of how she is uh, a brood hatchling. Um, it's just they take on the characteristics of who they uh, who they associate with. So since Marina was brought in and adopted by human parents. She took on the form of being a human and also had the the uh had the random a random element introduced to her. So the ocean was the element and it just tells the story and the master is torturing her and to kill her just so she can't just because he can, basically, is what it looks like. Um Alpha Flight, Namor, and Sue Richards rescue Marina, and the base ends up, the ship ends up getting destroyed. Um, Marina and Submariner search for uh, the Master, and they can't find him. So Namor offers uh, Marina a chance to go to uh down to Atlantis to learn more about her people and to suss out her powers and that's where it ends. Um there's something about these early Alpha Flight books that I just enjoy. This is like the third time that I've read this the same issue and for some reason I can read them all the time. That's how good they are for me. Um, I highly recommend uh, this this book, this 
series, actually, this whole run, has been phenomenal so far. So I'm going to give it a, a five because I love Alpha Flight, and I'm going to be biased here. Okay? All right. Nick, you want to go? Yeah, that's fine. All right, so as you guys know that I'm a huge thing of, uh, fan of The Thing, and I was looking, I was like, okay, so what Marvel character that is underwater that I really like? And he was in issue 64 from Marvel 2-1 and in 1980. I was like, okay, I have that. And it is the beginning of the Serpent Crown affair, which was a, a pretty big arc for Marvel back in the day. This was before like Secret Wars came out. So all their like specials were in one book, right? So they would just make a long storyline in book and not put it out everywhere. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you for a storyline that lasts for a while. So this one is actually you know, the thing breaks up with Alicia because he's sick of her always getting like kidnapped or getting in harm's way. And he thinks it's the best way for her to be safe is to distance himself from her. So she starts out that he's breaking up with her and she's not happy about it. He goes home to the Fantastic Four to talk to Reed because he needs somebody to talk to. And they get a phone call or some message on one of Reed's machines. And it's a doctor named Walt. And he's like, I need to talk to you. I'm a friend of Namor's. Can we meet? Okay. Yeah, we can meet. And the thing's like, man, I really needed to talk. He's like, well, we'll talk after this. He's like, we're not going to talk about this. We're going to be busy. So it comes out that somebody has been um, experimenting on people from a ship and turning them into half human, half fish. And the doctor, he's Stingray, right? And Stingray has a huge past with Namor. Like, he was told to go capture Namor, and he actually did, which is kind of funny because he's just a guy in a suit, and Namor's like an all-powerful mutant, right? And so this issue is pretty much just the thing and and, uh, Stingray going to the Hydro base and trying to find out where this thing came from, right? This, this guy. And it comes out that the Serpent Society is running the whole thing with Roxxon, which is an oil company in Marvel. <laughs> right? It's crazy. Sure. Um, and they're looking for this thing called the Serpent Crown, which can control people's brains. And so that's where this ends up. But what's cool, right? So, so Stingray later on, he donates Hydro Base, like half of it, to the Avengers. And the Avengers live there for a little while. And he's a good friend of Tony Stark's. And when the Iron Wars started, and Tony was freaking out that somebody stole the Iron Man armor, he went after Stingray and publicly beat his ass. And then he had to, later on, apologize because Stingray's suit was created by him, not Tony Stark. So that was one of the times where Tony was completely drunk and <laughs> crazy. And, yeah, I just, I just love Stingray. I mean, he's, such, he's like a cool design. He's got like cool powers. And he's an oceanographer, which is kind of weird. All right, that's all I got. He's never had his own series, has he? No, he hasn't. He's always been like a bit, like part-time superhero, like Animal Man is. Yeah. So okay. they really haven't done much with him other than, you know, bit hearts in the Avengers and the Defenders and some stuff like that. That's what I was thinking. I always liked that character. Kind of always forget about him. Yep. Yep. That's when I did my search and I was like, yeah, Stingray. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to review Namor the Submariner 1 through 62. 
I'm I'm kidding. Um, it is going to be a high level review about the whole series. I just read this whole series not too long ago, and um, is John Byron starting it off, uh, relaunching Namor, and um, this is one of those deals where I got into it on the ground floor. You know, it first came out, and I was like, "Hey, this is a new character. I don't know anything about. I'm going to grab it." not knowing there's any kind of history to him at all. And I really dug the series. Um, It starts off with him actually being so dehydrated that he doesn't realize who he is. He's found on, I guess it's kind of a retelling of uh, when um, Johnny Storm found him and realized it was Namor, right? Uh, Along those same lines is... You know, but he was found by a oceanographer and his daughter, and he became friends with them, and that kind of goes throughout the whole storyline. Um, where I thought it got really good was right around issue twenty one, and then the artwork really picked up for me in issue twenty six. Jay Lee started doing the artwork on that. And that storyline in there was he ended up in the Savage Land. Yay, Savage Land. But he ended up fighting Wolverine and Iron Fist. And it was just kind of cool seeing him taking on other good guys. Um, He ends up buying uh, Rocks on Oil in some of the issues. Um, When Reed Richards went missing, he ended up kind of becoming a de facto member of the Fantastic Four and kind of dating Sue a little bit. It's kind of the feel of it. Um, Stingray shows up quite a bit in it. That's where I started finding out about him. Uh, It did get really weird at the end, um, it did, went into the Battle of Atlantis. So the last issue is 62, but there's no conclusion to it because it goes straight into the Battle of Atlantis, which I've never read. But I, um, I tried. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't do it. Well, and I'll tell you, I. I had the whole run at one point. I got rid of it. Um, I decided it's something I wanted again, so I went back out and got them all. I think I paid maybe fifty, sixty dollars for the whole run. Um, some of the last issues were really difficult to find, but so I paid a little bit more on those. But I mean, total, it wasn't real heavy price on it, and uh, it's just a fun series and well worth checking out. So I highly recommend it. Awesome. Um, were you able to do a D-lister this week? Yeah. Cool. Who's your D-lister? <clears throat> Excuse me. It is Skywarp from the Transformers, since he made a v- very brief cameo appearance in the Terminator book. Um, so depending on what series you're reading about him in, origin kind of change or you know the story changes a little bit i just stuck with the marvel version of it because that's where you kind of originally saw him at so uh he was one of megatron's troops that attacked the ark uh when it was left dormant on mount saint hillary for four million years um he megatron and shockwave uh were deactivated by omega supreme in a battle that in place in a status by the Autobots. He would then further, excuse me, he would then be further damaged by a future Decepticon Galvatron when the Autobots used him as a decoy for Starscream uh, to convince Galvatron he was in an alternate timeline. Then when the Constructicons recovered him, uh, he was reactivated to be one of Ratbat's troops he didn't last long before being destroyed by the underbase-powered Starscream. Uh, thereafter, depending on which Splinter timeline you follow, he was either 
reactivated by Bludgeon's Decepticons, and then served under Megatron, where he was rebuilt with his memories restored from old backups by Megatron and the severed head of Shockwave, or turned into a zombie-like puppet for Megatron until his body ultimately vaporized by the Autobots. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, we going to skip Krypton ad? They are still open. They are doing curbside pickup. Um, obviously, there's no new books. However, um, you know, if you know what you're looking for and you give them a little bit of notice and they can go see if they have it and go pull it for you if it's back issue stuff. Um, you know, I a while back we talked about how lucky we were to have six comic shops in the area for us. Um, and currently I know at least three or four of them are still open during this time, doing curbside, things like that. Um, so it's a great opportunity to go out and try some of these older books that we're reviewing and talking about or finding something new. Uh, look for something new online that you want to kind of check out as far as an older book and see if they have it and get it pulled for you and pick it up on the curbside or whatever. Because um, now's the time to kind of, you know, help support those comic shops plus catch up on some older reading. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. The random read. How many you got, Ryan? Uh, we'll call it three. Nick, you said you had three. We'll call it two. Two. Well, I only have one, so because it's the only one worth uh, talking about. Because I picked up Wolverine number two, and. I wish I hadn't picked up Wolverine number two. <laughs> so the book I I uh, I bought this one of the books I bought this week was Transformers: A Bold New Era number one by IDW, and this story basically takes place back before. Uh, Optimus was Optimus. He was Orion Pax. And everybody was united. It's just after the Great War. And um, there's been a new forging, forging, which is a rare thing for Cybertron. And the guy's name, the, uh, the bot's name that was forged is Rubble. And his, every new forge is put with a mentor, and his mentor is Bumblebee. And Bumblebee is basically taking him around and teaching him everything he needs to know, showing him how to use his communicator, taking him to his quarters, all that kind of stuff. Um, they, uh... So there's a character, she's a jet named Windblade, and she shows up and she's like talking to Rubble and asking him questions and they're on their way to see this uh, Autobot named uh, Brainstorm at a transmission station and they're going to talk about Energon. And as they're walking, there is a... Um, a Centicon party march and Optimus, or sorry, Orion Pax is a senator as well as a, Megatron is a senator and they're on opposing, uh, opposing sides of the political spectrum. And they were, they're still friends at this point, but there's been fractures in their friendship. And 
it just basically shows the story of Rubble learning all of this stuff. And they're talking, and it's showing Cybertron when it was perfect and, you know, hadn't been torn apart by Civil War. And um, they get to the transmission statement, and they can't find Brainstorm. And But what they find... So Bumblebee and Windblade go looking, and they tell Rubble to stay there. Well... Young Rubble comes across Brainstorm, who has been murdered, which is the first time somebody has been murdered on Cybertron since before the war. So it's been a long time, and it shocks everybody. I have been wanting to read this from the beginning. I had jumped in kind of in the middle, and I went back and picked up the first issue, and now I'm reading. I'm going to read from issue one all the way up until they stop uh, printing this one. Um, I give it a five if you're a big uh, Transformer fan like I am. Uh, you get just enough in the first issue, but as it goes on, you get more characters thrown in. So more classic characters like Ironhide was in this, this uh, issue. And next issue, you get Prowl, Wheeljack... And all of that. So, um, yeah, that's what I got. I highly recommend it. It's it's uh, turning into one of my favorite uh, reads. So that's what I got. Cool. Nick, you want to go? Sure. <clears throat> all right. So I picked up Star Number Three from Marvel. Um, it's by Kelly Thompson and. I'm actually really starting to like this character a lot. Like, yeah, she's doesn't know she's a hero or a villain. We get that, right? But the fact that she's just a normal person who was who has a, a an infinity gem in her and she doesn't know how to control it, that's pretty cool, right? Um Thanos's guard show up and Black Swan tries to take it from her and it's just it's a crazy book i mean it's really good i like it i would recommend going out and picking it up um it's gonna be hard to find her first appearance because that's pretty expensive right now but just pick up the series it'll tell you everything you need to know about it and then i picked up on a whim which i never liked this book when i was a kid thought it was the stupidest idea ever i picked up Amethyst 1 and 2 from DC. Um, art and writing all done by Amy Reader. This book is great. Like, it... Is this the Crystal past, Princesses? Yeah. Okay. So once you get past everybody being named after a gemstone and all the worlds being named after a gemstone, it's actually a pretty good Dungeons & Dragons story. She, she's a kid. She's probably like eighteen. She's a the queen of of uh, the amethyst part of the gem world, and she goes back. Like she lives, she's half human, half gem worldian, or whatever they're called. Sorry. So uh, she comes back home to her gem world home and it's completely destroyed. And all of her allies have now turned her back on her and she can't find any of her people. And so it's a story of her going out, finding her subjects and returning this alternate world to its rightful place. It's only, a, I think, a 12 issue or a six issue limited series. I'd recommend getting it. I mean, I hated this book as a kid. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. This is actually really good. I think Amy Reader did a really good job. I wish she would have done the better in a reintroduction then because it, uh, Bendis did it in oh, Young Justice by and issue three, and it was and they Young Justice ended up there, and the second it hit there, I'm like, 
this is horrible. They did not, he did not do a good job of it. So it's nice to hear they're actually doing something quality with it now. Yeah, it's actually really good. Like I was reading the stuff in the back and she said that she was a big fan when she was a kid. So being able to come full circle like that, that's a cool story, you know? Oh yeah. You know, being a fan and then getting to do your favorite book. That is awesome. Oh, one thing I was going to say too, in a Marvel two in one, that's okay. So this is funny, right? So we all complain about how Marvel is going all just towards being based on their movies. Right. Right. So there's a Stan soapbox in here, which pretty much sums up how we feel, right? Okay, so so get this, right? I'm just going to read it completely like it is. Now we have to do this in Stan's voice, which I can't do. (laughs) Come on! (laughs) Unless you've been malingering on the moon for the past year or so, and we know that's no Marvelite's true... Okay, hold on. I don't have my glasses on, so this is hard to read. And we know that no Marvelite true would ever do that. You must be aware how many new and exciting projects your ever-loving bullpen has been cooking up for you. Our new, higher-priced publications like the mind-staggering epic and the now-classic Warriors of the Shadow Realm have taken all of the fandom by storm. The big-budget... This is 1980... The big-budget Silver Surfer movie project is barreling along smooth as silk, as are our many animated cartoon shows on Saturday mornings. Anyway, no need to mention each and every brain-blasting project. You get the idea. Now the punchline. The point of all this various verbiage is to set your minds at ease once and for all. Many people have asked me, in voices quivering, with care and concern. Does this mean that Marvel is losing interest in its own lovable line of regular colored comics? Does this mean that monthly 40 cent mags are less important than they used to be? Does this mean you guys will just be concentrating on the big bombshell type spectaculars and forget about the good old line of superheroes that made you famous? The answer of course is a deep. Wow, okay. The answer of course is a deafening like resounding thunderous no just for the record we want all of marveldom assembled to know that our award-winning line of monthly color comics are the absolute and unshakable foundation of our entire entertainment entity the color comics started all the color comics are our first love our greatest love the color comics are what marvel is all about that's the way it always been take it from me good buddy that's the way it's always going to be Wrong. Wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. Once Stan left, all they care about is not the comics. Yeah. So when we talk about how they lost track of who they were once Stan left, yeah, they did. Wow. It's because been that Stan, way since the 80s. Yeah, Stan wanted them to be a comic company and not a movie company. I just thought that was really funny to see in this. Yeah, that I was is. like 1980, a big budget Silver Surfer movie. I'm gonna have to look <laughs> that up. It never came out. Nope. <laughs> Can you imagine a 1980s Silver Surfer movie? Ugh. Ugh. Who would they get? I don't know, but I know it wouldn't be good. Tom Selleck. A young Sylvester Stallone. I'm Norm Red. Yul Brenner. There we go. (laughs) There you go. Oh, wow. That's crazy. All right. Well, you got anything for us, Ryan? Yeah. Um, First one is... Justice League of America, uh, issue 73 from 1993. It's the second part of Destiny's Hand, part two. Um, The reason I picked this up was because the cover has Hawkman wearing Sinestro's ring. I'm like, this is going to be cool. So, um, 
It starts, uh, this is by Dan Jurgens and Ray, or excuse me, Rick Burchett. I know how much you guys love Jurgens. Um, and the team consists of the Ray, Guy Gardner, Wonder Woman, uh, there's a couple of them I don't even know, Black, Black Condor, a couple others. Um, Martian Manhunter, or no, Martian Manhunter's not in this one, sorry. But um, they get notified that the Justice League satellite has reappeared. And the government's like, why didn't you tell us you are doing the satellite again? And they're like, we didn't. So um, Guy Gardner and the Ray go flying out to space to see what's going on. Well, inside of the uh, satellite, you see Martian Manhunter, Firestorm, and Green Lantern. They have no idea who these guys are that are coming, flying at them, but they think they're going to be attacked. So they go out to battle these guys. And Firestorm's being the hothead that he is. Um, and they're just taking it to Guy and Ray. And um, a little bit later in, uh, they get notified, the rest of the league gets notified of something going on at one of the prisons, and Hawkman's there, and one of the uh, guards is saying that Sinestro escaped. He's like, how do you escape? I amputated one of his arms. He shouldn't be able to do anything. He doesn't have the power ring anymore. And so Hawkman goes flying out to chase down Sinestro, who did escape and is armless. And um, Wonder Woman's team's trying to help find out what's going on with Sinestro. And Hawkman uses the fear ring to create a sword and kills Sinestro. Um, all boils down to somebody's playing mind games with the Justice League. Um, trying to see who this name of the, this guy is. I can't think what is what it is. Um, he's got like a glowing skull and he controls dreams. He keeps on talking about destiny. So, um, and leaves off showing Adam has been attacked and is passed out on the floor. And it's going into the next issue of this Destiny's Hand Part 2. Or Part 3. So, uh, I might pick up the rest of those just because it it was an interesting story and see where this goes. <clears throat> so, the next one I got is Incredible Hulk 426. Uh, this is where the Incredible Hulk meets Hal Jordan. Nice. Um, <laughs> written by Peter David and Liam Sharp, the artist of the current Green Lantern book. Um, so Bruce ends up being put away in a mental institution. He is Bruce Banner. However, he's got, he's talking like the Hulk and um, Doc Sampson's trying to help him. And Bruce kind of pushes his way out and starts running through the hallways of the uh, asylum. And he runs across a guy in green pajamas with the gray side of his hair. And Doc Sampson calls him Mr. J. And Mr. J responds saying, "Um, yes, don't worry, he couldn't have harmed me. You see, my power ring protects me from mortal harm. And that was Hal Jordan's appearance in Incredible Hulk 426. It was right after Coast City got blown up, so he was kind of in that unstable point. And Peter David kind of made a nod towards it in this book. Um, quite honestly, the rest of it was nothing to write home about. Uh Bet something happened to Betsy. She's about to die, and there's an alien that <clears throat> tries to help people, but 
her way of helping people is bad things happen opposed to good things. It's kind of like that, uh, was it the monkey paw where you get three wishes, but there something negative always happens with it. Yeah. Um, same type of deal where, um, Betsy's like child psyches running around and, um, the alien sees it and goes, do you want to go see your mom? Well, her, her mom's obviously dead. And she's like, yeah, I kind of want to see go see my mom. So the alien's planning on taking her and killing her. And um, she realizes that S.H.I.E.L.D. has just taken Bruce and put him on the hill carrier or a, on a, one of their planes or whatever to take him back up to the hill carrier. He's still kind of acting like the Hulk, but again, looks like Bruce Banner. And the kid Betsy sees him on the plane and starts talking to him. And she goes, if you want me to stay, I'll stay. And Bruce goes, yeah, I really want you to stay. So she, the child ghost went back to Betsy and she came back to life. And the alien didn't succeed in killing Betsy. And that's kind of where it left off. Again, the only reason I got this was mainly because of the Hal Jordan appearance. And the final one is Ghosts of Cybertron, the Transformers Ghostbusters crossover you didn't know you wanted. Have you read this yet, Kirk? I have not. The trade just came out a couple of weeks ago for 18 bucks. This was a lot of fun. Um... It's the same guy that writes the Ghostbusters. So it you still got that same tone with the Ghostbuster characters. Um, and it starts off with a battle on Cybertron where um, the what's the villain in the first movie? Not the Marshmallow Man, but Gozer, is that it? Yeah, it's Gozer. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was thinking that was right. So Gozer actually appears on Cybertron and destroys Cybertron. The Autobots have already left and Gozer kills Megatron, Shockwave, um, Starscream, and... um, the way they kill him is you. I'll let you just like you, they, she did in the movie. I'll let you pick how you want to die. And Starscream thought of a giant Starscream, and so a giant Starscream is killing uh, Cybertron. So it jumps ahead, and there is a new Transformer called Ectronomus Diatron. And he's a scientist, and he picked up a message of a um, a distress call from Earth. So he tells Optimus about it, and Optimus is like, yeah, you go check it out. Tell me if I need to come down and look at it. So he goes down. Well, when he's coming down, you know how they scan a vehicle to turn into? He scans the Ecto-1. So now the Ecto-1 is a Transformer. Nice. Um, and as he's doing his, re- you know, as he's kind of, st- you know, parked there, and the Ghostbusters are trying to figure out what's going on because they're picking up another EKG or whatever it is, a spectral presence, it happens to be Starscream. And so they will capture Starscream in a trap, and one of Gozer's minions shows up and starts zapping him or whatever. And Ectotron, or what, however you say his name, turns into Ecto-1, the robot. They just call him Ecto now. And so they kind of team up to take out this. And he starts talking to Starscream to find out what's actually going on. And Starscream's like, I just want my body back. Uh, help me figure out how to get back into my body. Long story short, there's a lot of shenanigans. Ecto helps capture some ghosts. 
Um, Optimus comes down. Uh, Gozer's uh, another character um, that helped defeat Gozer on a different planet. Uh, I don't know if they give him a name. They call him the Traveler. Uh, the Traveler shows up, and he's actually controlling Starscream, and he was wanting to get Optimus Prime and the um, uh, the Spark or whatever it's called, and he's actually controlling that him. And then Megatron's Ghost comes back, as does Shockwaves and Soundwave, and they all start attacking and the Ghostbusters and Ecto and Optimus work together to take them all down. And Ecto's like, Hey, I really like this. They're like, well, we need a car. You can stay around and help us with this. And he's like, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. I will go search for ghosts in other parts of the universe. So now he is a transforming Ghostbuster. Nice. This was a lot of fun. I laughed a number of times. There's one part where Optimus is waiting for Ecto to come back to the firehouse and some um, punks uh, sprayed graffiti all over him. So he's got like the Ghostbuster symbol on him and he's got the number 84 on it, which went the year they came out. And, you know, just fun stuff like that. Um, the only part I was really disappointed in is this trade has the cover of the of the individual comic, and they give indication that you know, like uh, some of the other Transformers are going to be in it, but they really don't make an appearance. Um, you know, like Dest- uh, Destructicon or the Constructicons and things like that, and you just don't ever see any of those other characters. It's just Optimus and Ecto, and then the main bad guys, and that's about it. But yeah, this is definitely worth picking up. It's fun. You hear us talking about how much we like the Ghostbusters series. It's the same tone. Definitely check this one out. And that's what I got. Awesome. All right. So for this week's list, we were doing the top 10 water-based superheroes. So I'll go ahead and go first. At number 10, just put in because I forgot completely about him, is Stingray. (laughs) Number 9 is Aqualad slash Tempest. Number 8 is Ice. Number seven, Iceman. Number six, Storm. Number five, Mira. Number four, Marina. Number three, Namorita. Number two, Namor. Number one, Aquaman. Nice. All right. Nick, you want to go or me? I can go. All right. Go ahead. All right. So, number 10. Dolphin, number nine, Abe Sapien, number eight, Namora, number six, Lagoon Boy, number five, Triton, four, Stingray, three, Mara, two, Namorita, and one, Namor. No Aquaman? Wow. Nice. There's I did think characters. about Dolphin. Yeah. I did think about oh. Dolphin, but I didn't know enough about her to kind of put her there. I've read enough 60s Aquaman to not put him on my list. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So my 10 is Zane from the Wonder Twins. Nine, Mr. Freeze. Eight, Ice. Seven, Hydro Man. Six, Captain Cold. Five, Iceman. Four, Mira. Three, Aquaman Jeff Johns Run. To clarify. Uh, two Namorita and one Namor. Nice. Okay. Does anybody have any news this week? Uh, yeah. Um, I was going around on 
Instagram and I came across somebody promoting their Kickstarter, which I, I love Kickstarter. I mean, it's a great thing for people trying to get their stuff off. And I came across that they're putting out a 20th anniversary graphic novel for Tarot, the Curse of the Black Witch. Uh, if if you've never read it, I've never read it, but the artwork is totally 90s. So if you're into 90s comics with the bad girl thing, this is perfect. This is, it's, you know, it's them trying to keep their character who's still running after all this time. I mean, I'm not sure who carries it, but you can go out, still find it, and give them a couple bucks. Keep a company alive, right? So keep an independent comic company alive. Go do their Kickstarter. I mean, it's not very much. And you get a limited edition graphic novel. I mean, how bad is that? I think it's Broadsword, if I remember right. Yes, it is. Yeah, and they're up to issue like 112 or 113 or something like that. Yeah, it's... It is not a kid's book, I will say that. <laughs> no. <laughs> to so clarify. If you like, like uh, Lady Death, you probably would like Tarot, too. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a little goofier than Lady Death, but yeah. I mean, there, there's a little bit more humor to it, but uh, yeah, it's definitely along those lines of Lady Death. Cool. Awesome. Anything else? Uh, I have one. I'm just waiting to see if anybody else has one. Hold on. It seems like I had something. Give me one second. Sure. Um, I do have an inside source about this. So, um, people are kind of pushing. You're on, like on this fence line of either you want everything to still be published digitally while everything's shut down, or you want it to be held off kind of deal. And if you, you know, obviously I'm on the side, I'm kind of on the side of holding off on sending it out digitally because I think that will kill the industry promptly by putting stuff out that can't be published for those that want it in hand. But, um, I do know that Marvel has been reaching out to uh, stores asking what they feel about it. So there is a chance that they may not go digitally with their new stuff and hold off a little bit. Um, And they also said they're trying to talk to Diamond about getting reopened sooner than later. But obviously that's going to be up to Diamond. And it could sink Diamond if they don't get open sooner than later. But again, we want safety for everyone opposed to just focusing on our need as fanboys to get the new books. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dark Horse so, said that they're not publishing anything digitally until yeah. it restarts. So, and I, yeah. Marvel, um, Marvel and DC have said that it's business as usual. Uh, guy that does Savage Dragon said he will not allow anything digital to come out about Savage Dragon until books are back out. So it'd be nice if they all kind of fell in line with that. Because honestly, Marvel and DC, like Nick kind of pointed out, they really don't care about the comics so much anymore. DC does a little bit more than Marvel. Um, but depending on how this plays out, it there's a good chance a lot of shops are going to end up closed permanently depending on the decisions that are made and how long this goes. Yeah. Well, my article was about that, except it was about the comic book market. It says uh, comic book market collapses. And artists, indie artists had received pencils down which means they're stopping all production for right now. But it said that Marvel and DC have basically said that it's 
business as usual and to keep working on new comics books. So I'm not sure if that means they're going to do it digitally or they're just going to keep working on them. And they are hoping that this goes away soon and they can get back to distributing it through Diamond. I'm not sure after what you said. Yeah, I, you know, they kind of, they're, it sounded like they were trying to feel things out a little bit on how people felt about it. And, um, I've heard from a number of sources that they, that are owning comic shops that they did get a phone call from Marvel. And it sounds like most of the comic shops are saying the exact same thing that it's not good for, them if everything goes digital um again we're kind of in one of the lucky spots right now our shops are still open doing curbside and stuff yeah like the big markets like new york and california they're shut down yeah so it's not really fair to them either to have new stuff coming out that they can't sell um One of the questions I did ask was, are we going to be able to, or is there going to be, once everything's up and running again, are they just going to push out all those books and pick up where they left off kind of thing, like the Transformers Terminator? That's issue one. Yeah. Are we going to get two, three, or is it just going to pick up at issue five because that's when everything reopens, right? And nobody could really answer that question for me. Huh. So, um, okay. did you guys get a chance to read that article that I sent you about uh, how this is all Marvel's fault? Yeah, I got it a little bit. I haven't had the chance yet. <laughs> um, so it was a New York Post article that um, basically came out and said that. I can't remember the time frame. It was the 80s or the 90s, early 90s or something. That Marvel bought a publishing company and wanted to start publishing their own books. And so Diamond kind of swooped in and signed exclusives with everybody else but Marvel because Marvel was trying to publish their own stuff. And when Marvel actually got in and looked at the publishing company they bought, they realized that they were in a lot of trouble because they didn't, the publishing company just didn't do a good job. And because they created their own, or they started their own publishing company, it caused the other companies to kind of go over to a company like a diamond instead of using multiple publishers. And if Marvel hadn't bought that publishing company and tried to, hold their stuff hostage per se that there would still be other publishers out there where the whole industry isn't relying on just diamond long story short um makes sense and i just couldn't help but laugh because we always say it's always marvel's fault so um at least i do It was a really interesting article, so definitely go out and check that one out. Yeah, I'm going to have to read that one. So, Otherwise, I got nothing else. All right, Nick, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. All right. Well, if you like what you hear, uh, go to your handy-dandy podcast app. Give us a subscribe. Uh, give it a like. Uh, leave a comment. And that will help us, um, you know, give you a better show. Um, But, yeah, have fun. Read more comics. It's been Kirk. Ryan. And Nick. See you guys next week. Longer than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. Oh, favor, oh, but
planted is a bridge. 